It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just Well, welcome down, to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavist, licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist and host of Dishing Up Nutrition. Today's show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company providing life-changing nutrition education and life-changing nutrition counseling. I hope each of you are listening carefully today because I have some very interesting questions I'm going to ask you today. You know, these are life-changing questions, and for some of you, life-changing and life-saving questions. So when I say life-saving, I bet you're thinking, hmm, she must be going to talk about heart disease today. And that's true. Yes, absolutely true. Before I start asking questions, please welcome Carolyn Hudson to the show. Carolyn has been a dietitian for a very long time, both here locally and in Canada. And that was in her younger years. And let's just say she's been around and has had the advantage of working with a variety of clients, and she's ready to share her expertise in both classes and during individual nutrition counseling sessions with you. So, Carolyn, welcome to the show. So, what do you think is the biggest misconception about the cause of heart disease or coronary artery disease. Oh, well, thank you, Dar, for that great introduction. But ah, a big misconception that many people have is that eating butter causes heart disease. Honestly, you know, some people still believe that butter is bad for you. Uh, But we know from research that butter or bacon or even eggs do not cause heart disease. And that is what we teach our uh, clients at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. So you might ask then, well, what the heck does cause coronary artery disease? I think that's a great question because it's uh, something that is like one of the number one factors in people's death these days, isn't it? Exactly. You know, and more and more research points to, believe it or not, sugar. We always say that word. We always say that. That's why I said believe it or not, because if our listeners know that we point out uh, sugar and processed carbs a lot, and these, you know, the research really says that these are the cause. And a little bit later in the show, I'm sure we're going to go into more explanation of how sugar creates that inflammation, and that inflammation then leads to coronary artery disease. And that's kind of a new concept right there. Yeah, definitely. So today for this very important topic, I'm pleased to have Greg Peterson join us. And he always brings us current research about heart health and all kinds of other research. Greg is known as the research man because whenever I need research on a topic, I call Greg and in just minutes my email is filled with more research than I could ever read. <laughs> but that's <Well-loved>. good. <laughs> we love it, though. <laughs> so I'm really very happy that Greg and I, you know, we've been friends for about 30 years. 
But, Greg, you've been studying nutrition for longer than that. What, 40 years maybe? Yeah, the company will be uh, about 45 years this year. So, wow. Yeah, a few, few decades at this point. So I think a lot of people know that Greg and his brother Dave own Nutridyne, a local company that supplies professional quality supplements to healthcare professionals. And on top of that, you provide a lot of educational seminars to all of us, all of the healthcare professionals. And you're putting on seminars all the time to help people understand the importance of nutrition and your health. And we're really pleased that you're on today. And well, I know you. listeners are always pleased to hear your voice. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, you know, too. And uh, we really feel like we're part of the team by doing all the educational seminars and so forth that uh, we're working along with you as the practitioners and really bringing the, the best possible care to our people. It's uh, all of our passions. You know, mm-hmm. It is. So, yeah, I'm always um, amazed, too, and surprised that, you know, coronary heart disease is the number one cause of deaths in the United States. But most people don't know very much about the uh, inflammation connection to heart disease. Um, and it's puzzling because of that, the inflammation is, is the number one cause of heart disease, and yet very few people understand what causes inflammation. Right. True. Very, very true, Greg. Very true. That is one of the reasons why we wanted to focus on this number one cause of heart disease or coronary art, artery disease, which is inflammation. <laughs> <laughs> so as listeners, we want to ask you, what do you think might cause inflammation in your arteries? You know, it's really a very important question. So let me ask you another question. You know, go back 20 years, maybe 30 years, maybe 50 years, when you were a teenager and you started smoking, did you ever think to yourself, could smoking damage my coronary arteries and cause heart disease? Well, of course not. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but we know if you continued to smoke, it most likely did cause damage to the inside lining of your arteries. You know, unfortunately, we didn't know that 30 or 40 years ago. I'm so happy that I didn't, you know, I tried to, tried to smoke once or twice and it didn't make me feel good. So I said, no, I don't think I'll do that one. No. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, sadly, people are still smoking. Mm-hmm. They know that it's damaging their body, but they're still smoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, perhaps uh, you're saying to yourself, well, I never smoked, so mm-hmm. I must be safe. Maybe, but maybe not. Here's another question for you. Every time you decide to treat yourself to a large cookie dough blizzard, do you think, hmm, how much inflammation is is created from the 47 teaspoons of sugar I'm eating in that blizzard? Mm. That's an ugly thought. Yeah, 47. (laughs) No. Yes, yes. We know that sugar creates inflammation in both our bodies and our brains, and especially in our coronary arteries. And yes, eating excess sugar for some people can lead to coronary artery disease. And I think that some people, and probably not everyone, you know, there's a few of those lucky people. (laughs) So I bet you're kind of sitting there listening to the show today and saying, I bet you're thinking, my doctor runs cholesterol tests every year, 
but I don't remember seeing any test results for inflammation. So, Greg, mm. here's a question for you. Okay. Is there a test for inflammation? Uh, yes, there is, and we were talking about that a little bit earlier, too. Mm-hmm. It's uh, called CRP. Um, it's on your your, uh, your lab test that you do and so forth. It's usually called like HSCRP, mm-hmm. uh, high-sensitivity CRP. And it, it's a what's well, a test that goes way back. Okay. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about that, too, back to the 1930s. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pushing 100 years almost that it's been in, in use. So it's not a, a new kid on the block at all. And it was um, discovered at the Rockefeller Institute of Medical Research. And it was really uh, not until the 1990s that it was uh, being used now to indicate inflammation associated with coronary heart disease as well. So from that, that application is a relatively you know new one. And now they find that the high CRP values strongly predict future coronary heart disease risk in people. And I, I kind of looked up, you know how I, I am, I always like to look up some I know you do. fun facts. <laughs> research, <laughs> research. <laughs> you can call it research or fun facts. Fun facts. <laughs> Whatever that is. And when you look at C-reactive protein, that's CRP, mm-hmm. you know, is what it is. There was this doctor, uh, Ridker, out of Harvard Medical School, and he found that People with elevated CRP levels were 4.5 times more likely to have a heart attack compared to those at low levels. Mm-hmm. Significant, you know, uh, exactly. increased risk for people. Another one, too, is, and slow me down if I start getting a little bit too much into this <laughs> stuff as well and say, okay, enough is enough, Greg. But this was a, um, some research that was done out of the New England Journal of Medicine showing that, again, that C-reactive protein to be a very sensitive marker of systemic inflammation. And they found that um, when you had elevation of the CRP, it was an indication, a biochemical marker indication for the prediction of first or recurrent coronary events. So we know it goes hand in glove with, with the, the likelihood of you having a heart you know, type of a problem. And what it does, too, is it makes the inflammation, which we'll talk more about you know, in the, the program today, makes the plaque more unstable. Mm-hmm. And we know it's when that plaque becomes unstable, breaks off, that it can precipitate a heart attack or a stroke. Exactly. You know, so again, it's a not a good thing to have. Uh, can I give you one more? Sure. Fact? Yep, okay. Yep, yep. One more quick one. Okay. okay <laughs> real quick. As we talk a lot about insulin resistance and blood sugar problems and diabetes, we know that uh, the fat cells secrete large amounts of CRP. So generally, you know, people that have weight issues have higher CRP levels. And this is research done by Dr. Simon Liu out of Harvard, and he found that when people, you know, consume high levels of high glycemic foods, which we talk a lot about, you know, on the program. That old sugar stuff. The old sugar stuff, yeah, we'll do it, that they find that um, it uh, increases their amount of CRP levels, and the, the more the women weigh, the higher the CRP levels were, and the consumption of refined carbohydrates is linked to the inflammatory process that promotes heart disease. Yes. Wow. So, so then the interesting thing is... I think we're ready for yeah, a break but here. Let me slide okay. in one. Okay. The interesting thing is seeing clients. There's very few people that come in and say, here's my CRP level. They yeah. come in and say, here's my cholesterol level. Right, mm-hmm. absolutely. So we want to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Yeah, but, when we come back, for sure. Uh, well, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I'm Carolyn Hudson, licensed dietitian, and I'm here with Darlene Kavitz. Licensed nutrition 
nutritionist. And we're pleased also to have Greg Peterson, owner and vice president of Nutridyne, joining us today. Nutrigine is a company that provides professional quality supplements and nutritional seminars to healthcare professionals. So I think one of the things that people need to ask themselves, what can you do to prevent cardiovascular disease? You know, the lifestyle habits that I would suggest is stop eating foods with harmful trans fats and refined oils. Eat butter, not margarine. Use heavy cream and coffee rather than artificial creamers. Avoid fast food french fries by eating you know, sautéed potatoes in butter. And those are the things that you can do today to help prevent cardiovascular disease. And we'll be back in a minute. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Have you looked in the mirror lately and said to yourself, enough is enough? You know, I gained 15 pounds over the holidays and I still haven't done anything about it. You know, spring is less than two months away. It takes time to take action and sign up for nutrition for weight loss and lose those 15 pounds. You know, in just three months, you'll be back in your spring dresses full of energy and feeling good about yourself. So you want more information? Call 651-699-3438 and you can get started. You know, Greg's always talking about fun facts. I've got a fun fact for you guys today. Right. Did you know that Car- that Carolyn and Greg and he- and Greg's wife Debbie, who's sitting here in studio, all went to high school good together? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty fun Unfortunately, fact. Unfortunately, that 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 means that we all know how old everyone <laughs> is. <laughs> well, I know Carolyn's got to be at least forty eight. Oh, thank <laughs> you, Greg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you know, if I've known Greg 30 years and he's been 45 years, this is good news. That's right. Put the two together. So let's put some more work into the CRP, Greg. What, you know, tell, tell us a little bit more about things. We know that trans fats and bad fats and sugar and those things. What else causes your CRP to go up? Well, it's really pretty much any insult to the body. You know, so it could be like a virus or bacteria or any kind of infective agents. It could be trauma, you know, to the body. It could be emotional trauma, stress. All those things can elevate, you know, CRP. So it's a a very sensitive indicator that there's insults to the body that are increasing a overall, you know, inflammation to the body, to the system. Okay. Wow, that's really interesting, isn't it? I hope our listeners really heard that. So, you know, I have a personal story. You know, over the past several months, I've grown to realize how important that CRP number is to our health. So I'd like to share kind of a personal story. You know, about 12 years ago, my blood pressure started to go up higher and higher. So I thought, I know this one. I know what to do. I know the supplements to take. Well, guess what? It didn't work. So I thought, okay, what will help? So I decided to try medication, and I tried several, many different ones, and none of them worked. You know, I still had high blood pressure. So I finally had my CRP taken, and it was seven. Well, normal should be around one, not above three. And so I suggested to my doctor that, you know, a CRP of seven was too high, an indication that something was wrong. But, you know, my cholesterol numbers were perfect. 
but I needed to lower my blood pressure. So December of 2015, my blood pressure went sky high. So high that I sought another specialist and discovered that I had a high level of inflammation throughout my body. In reality, the inflammation in my coronary arteries, those are those little arteries that go to your heart, were so inflamed that it was obstructing the blood flow to my heart, creating the high blood pressure. Different than what most people think. Well, I bet you our listeners are thinking, now, really, how could Dar have this coronary artery disease? Carolyn, I was thinking that too. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you were. You know, we all know that Dar is not a smoker. Nope. Rarely eats any sugar, stays away from foods with trans fats and refined oils, exercises four times a week loves her work, and isn't a diabetic or ever was ever pre-diabetic. No, none of those things. Well, I think we have to, this is a really good example that we have to look at all aspects in cardiovascular disease. Uh, That means their nutritional habits, which in Dar's case was perfect. I was as surprised as anybody because I, in my mind, I thought, oh, Dar, She's going to be doing the radio show until she's 100. Yeah, you know? right. and, and so, still working on that one. Yeah, right? yeah, well, yeah maybe still, yeah, hopefully. And so I knew she had good lifestyle habits. You know, like Carolyn was saying, she wasn't a smoker or a drinker. She's not a high-stress person. She exercises several times weekly, and she enjoys life. And uh, But with all health conditions, there is that genetic connection. And you always think of, in my mind, I think of, you know, you hear about the your Aunt Gert. Mm-hmm. who smoked a pack of cigarettes a day, drank a pint of hard stuff, yep. and she lived to be 96. Right, you right. Know, never <laughs> exercised, watched TV eight hours a day and so forth. You wonder, okay, what's going on here? You know, And she just was very fortunately blessed with great genetics. Exactly. So she was able to get you know through that. Uh, but Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who we've talked about many times on the program, he's the father of functional medicine. He comments in his book, The Disease Delusion, that 10% of your health or lack of it is contributed to genetics and 90% to nutrition and lifestyle habits. So Dar had that 90% going, you know, for you. And so whether it was, you know, the genetic situation, getting a bacteria, uh, you know, catching a virus or some point in her life, these things happened that started the cascade of inflammation. No one is really certain, but something was an insult. That's right. You know, it's sort of interesting. All the times that I used to go to the doctor, the doctor would look at me and say, you know, you got perfect health with you've got lousy genetics. I heard that so many times. You've got lousy genetics. And I'd go, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so many people are, you know, misinformed. I think about that genetic piece. They really say, oh, it's my genes. My father had this. My mother had this. So it's in my genes for Mm -hmm. sure. So if more attention had been paid to her elevated, to Dar's elevated CRP 12 years ago, then perhaps the current inflammation response she's having would uh, not have been the same at all. Uh, And maybe uh, it would have been dealt with before it damage the inner lining of her arteries. Exactly. Yeah. Now, the challenge, of course, is to stop that inflammation, repair the damage, and rid the body of the pathogen that actually started that inflammation. And I'm finding repair is harder than prevention. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, last January 2016, I was 
finally diagnosed with a CRP of 62. Oh, wow. wow. As we mentioned earlier, a normal CRP number is three or lower. So that's a lot of inflammation going on. And the arteries most impacted were the arteries in my legs and the coronary arteries leading to my heart. So I've learned a lot about this. I've learned patience, I think. <laughs> oh, I, bet. I have a better understanding of and the compassion for people experiencing pain. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, as nutritionists, we're pretty compassionate, but when you live through it, you really get it at a different level. So, mm-hmm. so then you might ask the question, did Dar's health nutrition, healthy nutritional habits, you know, like no sugar and all the things that I've been doing and lifestyle habits really pay off? And yes, they did because after several tests, I don't have any plaque buildup in my arteries. That's good. I simply have inflammation. As you know, I eat an anti-inflammatory diet. I live an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. I exercise. I get massages. I sleep eight to nine hours a night. I still have inflammation in my arteries. So I need some extra help to rid my body of inflammation. And I think we're probably, I know, Carolyn, you're kind of looking at the clock. I'm looking at the clock, but I think we can fit in just a little bit more. Okay. But so, well, actually, maybe we shouldn't do that. I'll just start. <laughs> I, know, I know Greg is really long-winded over there. So, <laughs> so we're going to talk about some, some, when we come back, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about, more about supplements. Maybe. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. What is another lifestyle or nutritional practice you can change to protect your coronary arteries? We all know that eating excess sugar can lead to inflammation. So here are some simple changes you can make. Number one, stop drinking that soda and replace it with water. That would sound really simple, doesn't it? It does sound simple, but boy, it's hard for a lot of our clients. Mm -hmm. A simple, healthy, life-changing habit. Forget that stack of blueberry pancakes that turns into about 50 teaspoons of sugar. And in its place, have maybe a spinach omelet cooked in butter with one slice of toast. That would be about 40 less teaspoons of sugar than that stack of pancakes. So the, another thing you can do is maybe let go of the chips and the french fries. Replace them with a salad with olive oil dressing. Every four chips you eat turns into one teaspoon of sugar or glucose in your body. So I think if people have questions for Greg, our number is 651-641-1071. Yeah, give us a call. Well, welcome back to Additional Nutrition. You know, if you have a family history of heart disease, or if you've already had a heart attack or a stent placed to open a blockage, or maybe you've had heart failure, I want to tell you that food makes a difference with healing and recovery. At Nutritional Weight and Wellness, our nutritionists and dietitians can help you learn how to choose foods that will support your arteries and heart. We understand that you really need real food, good protein like salmon and chicken and grass-fed beef, And you need beneficial fats like butter and olive oil, nuts, lots of vegetables, sautéed in olive oil. We also understand that change doesn't happen overnight. You need direction and support 
So we recommend monthly follow-up appointments to help you stay on track. And our goal for you is to feel great, to be full of energy, have a sense of well-being. Something as simple as eating real food in balance can help you achieve that goal. And it's so simple, but it's so hard to do these days. So to make an appointment, call 651-699-3438. If you have a question about health insurance coverage, go to our website at weightandwellness.com and you can look at our insurance options. So we've got everything covered now. Yeah. Well, before we went to break, we were just about ready to ask Greg about supplements. What supplements should we be using? Or me, maybe even just like, what supplements should I be using to reduce mm-hmm. some of this inflammation? Yeah, yeah well, 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 that'd be the most important. Exactly. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll, it'll trickle down from there. Well, but, uh, so I'm going to take a deep breath in. Okay. You know, and hit those, you know, for you too. That's what Carolyn saw me doing before break. So she uh, quickly got to break, but uh, <laughs> started up again. Uh, we've talked about this uh, one product, Cardiooxin, mm-hmm. you know, in the past on the show. I love show. that product. It's a great product, and we did research on it at the University of Minnesota a few years ago in different cardiovascular uh, risk factors, you know, mm-hmm. lipids, inflammatory factors like the CRP and so on. And we found that it did reduce the CRP quite dramatically by about 30% in this group of people that we studied at the University wow, of Minnesota. Wow, that's a lot. That's a significant mm-hmm. amount. And, uh, you know, so that would be probably one of my lead-in products, you know, okay. doing, a, you know, two of those twice a day was what the research was based on. Mm-hmm. So cardiooxin, fish oils, you can't beat that. Right. Everybody needs to be on fish oils for a variety of, of reasons. But we know that fish oils also reduce uh, elevated CRP. It reduces, as we know, the stickiness of the platelets that can lead to clotting and, and cardiovascular events and so on, like stroke and heart attack and so on. So, uh, you know I, what, Greg, what, I'm going to interrupt you. I think one yeah. of the things that I find a lot of times people will be coming in and they'll be taking one yeah. fish mm-hmm. oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At most, sometimes. Yeah. And, or none. <laughs> Every other day, one. Yeah. <laughs> and that just isn't enough for most people to reduce that inflammation. It really isn't, and as understanding has become clear as time has gone on through research and so forth, you were talking about that earlier, it started out at, you know, 1,000 milligrams a day. Yeah. EPA mm-hmm. and DHA was protective. Then it's become more like 2,000 milligrams a day of EPA, DHA. And now kind of depending on the professional, and that's what's nice about being able to monitor a patient too, and if they can have some of the CRPs done and so on, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 2,000 milligrams isn't enough. Maybe they need to double that or that's even right. more. You know, so you need to have a healthcare practitioner like yourselves, basically, to monitor really what would be the ideal amount of fish oil for that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that'd be my number two pick, uh, magnesium, our good old friend, magnesium. We've of talked course. so. I love magnesium. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, it's a, it's a, a godsend, really. But why is why does magnesium work so well? We know it works for sleep and mm-hmm. other things, but when we're looking at arteries. What How, is it? Yeah, yeah. What what helps arteries with magnesium? Well, it it really reduces helps to reduce plaque accumulation. You know, there was a great seminar that uh, Jeff Bland did years ago that was called Calcium Where It Should and Should Not Be. Uh-huh. Because you yes. know how, remember that one, how important mm-hmm. calcium is, you know, but really it shouldn't be in the arteries. No, it should not. It shouldn't be in the it. joints. Right. You know, <laughs> it should be not in the kidneys and so That's forth right. as well. It should be really in the muscle, the bone, and so on. 
And so what magnesium will do is it is able to precipitate calcium out of storage and deliver it where it's needed for heart function, for muscle function, whatever the case may be. And there was a study that was done years ago by a Dr. Hans Nieper where he looked at the fragility and the brittleness of your capillaries and so forth. And he put them on either a placebo, a drug, a clofibrate type of a drug, or magnesium. And he found after looking at the capillary health after I think it was 14 months or 15 months, that every single person that took the magnesium had a normalization of vessel elasticity and strength of the, the, the capillary beds. So I think, you know, interesting when I look at my own personal story, even though I've had this high inflammation and, but I don't have any blockages or any, you know, I don't need any stints or any of that stuff, no plaque. And, but I've always taken at least 400 milligrams of magnesium at bedtime. Sometimes lately I've been taking six to 600 to 800 mag, milligrams of magnesium. So it is really, protective at mm-hmm. least on a, a study of one person oh absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah you know and like you're talking about the magnesium levels they like with the fish oils the thought on that is that you can give a lot more because we're so depleted in our society mm-hmm. our foods stress you know bleeds off magnesium like crazy mm-hmm. you know too so that's one of those really uh more commonly deficient minerals that we really truly need yeah yes. i think i i've read 70 to 80 percent of us are deficient mm-hmm. in magnesium mm-hmm so, yeah, and that's, that's just lot. the RDAs. Right. Yeah, that's right. The optimal. Right. Yeah, you know, too. So, <laughs> so, so far, you've only talked about three main supplements. And, you know, we talk about everybody. Um, I think everybody should be taking fish oil. Yes. And I think everybody should be taking magnesium. Yep. And uh, cardioxin, yes, we use that a lot. It's been around for, I don't know, several years. Mm-hmm. Seven, eight, nine, at mm-hmm. least. At least. Yeah. And it works very well. And it uh, certainly helps to reduce cholesterol numbers mm-hmm. and so and inflammation so what else you got in your bag there well i was also thinking of uh some of your different herbals we we're hearing a lot more about curcumin is kind of one mm-hmm. of the uh the romantic nutrients right now you know, right they, they kind of get focused on different nutrients at different times and now it's the turmeric or the curcumin and so forth because again it's such a, an amazing our herbal, you know, plant-based nutrient that reduces inflammation, uh, you know, has many other, uh, you know, anti-cardiovascular problems, cancer, and so forth uh, going uh, on and on. But we're going to be talking more about it in reducing the uh, CRP ability. Right. And so we have a product that's called Inflavonoid or Inflavonoid Intensive Care mm-hmm. that has a very high-quality curcumin in a high concentration with additional ginger, we hear good things about that for inflammation, and then finally also boswella, which has been used for for decades or centuries, really. You know, in its ability to modify inflammation and reduce uh, some health risks. So that'd be my fourth one, and a new one that's kind of a, a new idea or product, you know, for our listening group is the. Um, uh, omega-7 fatty acids. So okay, we, and that's even new to us. Yeah. Because I don't have that sitting on our shelves yet. Yet. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I sprung okay. that on you this morning, you know, too, with it. Yeah. Uh, well, tell us more. <laughs> well, it, it, it's a uh, monounsaturated uh, fat, fatty okay. acid. So like um, avocados. Yes. Olive mm-hmm. oil. Yes. Okay. Macadamia nuts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and and the, and the good dairy, like they say, the oh, good the butter. whole butter. So okay, butter, too, yes. Very high in the omega-7s, too. And they will suppress inflammation, uh, CRP as well. They have a good effect on reducing um, metabolic syndrome, the insulin resistance we talk so much about as well, too. And on a couple of different studies um, on 
taking this omega-7 with uh, CRP, one showed that it decreased the C-reactive protein or CRP by 73%. One wow, study. that's amazing. It's amazing. Another study was 43%. Okay. So we know it has a significant reductive effect of elevated CRP, and so... That's one that I would definitely recommend for you too, Dar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those are all well, great. Well, then we have to order those in. Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> you've convinced us. Well, believe it or not, it is time again for a break. Okay. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I'm Carolyn Hudson, licensed dietitian, and I'm here with Darlene Kavitz, licensed nutritionist, and Greg Peterson, owner and vice president of Nutridyne a company that provides professional quality supplements to health professionals. Uh, And we're discussing the cause and prevention of coronary heart disease. We realize the cause and prevention of coronary um, heart disease is very complicated and has many layers. When Dar put together the Weight and Wellness series, one of her goals was to teach people how to eat to prevent heart disease. As you may know, the Weight and Wellness series is very popular because it really gives you that really solid foundation of information to stay healthy. Our next series actually starts in March. So set aside six evenings to learn this life-changing and maybe life-saving, as Star was saying, nutrition message. Check it out on our website at weightandwellness.com. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you or a friend or family member is struggling with compulsive eating, be sure to tune in next week to to listen to Alyssa, Brenna, and myself talk about how skipping meals can lead to compulsive eating. You know, if you like our show, Dishing Up Nutrition, I encourage you to ask a friend to also listen to either a live broadcast or to a podcast. So why do people need nutrition education? Here's one good reason. People need nutritional education to help prevent the shocking news that I read last week. It said that childhood diabetes, the rate had increased by 12% in just the last couple of years. 12% mm. of childhood diabetes. Jeez. That's that, shocking. It, it is shocking. shocking. So yeah. I think everyone needs to tune in to Dishing Up Nutrition to get educated and inspired to eat better and to teach their children and grandchildren to eat healthier. I know, Greg, you do that all the time, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our grandkids they, and children, they need to make better choices so that they're not going to be diabetic in the future. So we had a caller that had um, how to lower your CRP. Well, I think one of the things that we need to think about is what is causing it? Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. we kind of we talked yeah. about it wasn't my lifestyle, so... It wasn't trans, I didn't eat trans fats. Mm -hmm. I didn't eat sugar. And that's the typical, and my blood sugars were normal. I mean, those are the typical things that will increase your CRP. Greg, you also mentioned exercise. Well, yeah, too. And that's beginning to be better understood because we used to think, um, and always were told, told that the Americans don't exercise enough. And so it's like, Okay, good. You can't get enough exercise. Now he has some really strenuous things like your, your CrossFit, you know, uh, workouts mm-hmm. and, you know, some of the powerlifting workouts and your kettlebells and so forth. And they, they are good to a, to, to a, a point. point. Yes, to right. A point, you know, but when you're over exercising, you're in a chronically inflamed state at mm-hmm. that point, And that chronic inflammation is not good for your heart function. It suppresses the immune system as mm-hmm. well, too. 
So again, you know, that could be part of it. Uh, and so what happened to me early on when I was into the powerlifting days is my CRP was always elevated. And I, after a period of time, I understood why. And then I was having to get into my head where I can't continue to work out this heavy, you know, too. So it has to be a, a lifestyle. So it has change. to be moderate amount mm-hmm. of exercise, right? And not really, really strenuous. Yeah. Okay, I'm all over that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or overly strenuous. You know? <laughs> so once you figure out what's causing your CRP to go up, and you've got all these things, you know, for myself, it's law is probably part genetics, and partly they believe that probably I picked up a bacteria sometime in my life, and because I had such a healthy lifestyle, it didn't take me down. But it kind of kept festering in my system Mm -hmm. until I got older. I mean, I'm very happy it didn't hit me when I was in my 50s or 60s. -hmm. It waited until I was well into my 70s before (laughs) it got me. But I'm coming back in my 80s. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, Dar. It's not going to get you down. (laughs) No. So the other question that, you know, that she, the person asked, I'm assuming it was a woman, but maybe not, is um, how do you ask your doctor to, Take a CRP. I think you have to be really forceful and, you know, say, I need a CRP, especially if your cholesterol numbers, you know, are uh, either out of whack or totally, totally in line like yours were, yeah, right. We know that doctors are resisting this test. And I think it's a relatively simple test. Yeah, so, it's a blood test. Yeah. Blood test. Should be part yeah, of your panel. Absolutely. I and don't think it would be any ex- ex- extra cost. Mm-hmm. Might want to check with your health insurance company, but um, I think you need to just ask as part of your lipid panel, please do a CRP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that? Well, I think you take them by the lapels and you slam them <laughs> up against the wall <laughs> and you say, I want a HSCRP done. <laughs> it might not work for, for women, but uh, no. <laughs> yeah, Greg, <laughs> or for guys either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. I think we developed the weight and wellness class, the original weight and wellness series, at least, you know, 12 years ago, if not 15 years ago. We were talking about the high sensitive CRP having it taken so we've been talking about this for a number of years mm-hmm. so now let's talk a little bit about cholesterol you know personally i knew that cholesterol was not an issue for me because my total cholesterol has always been about 179 my ldl was about 100 you know i exercised several times a week but i didn't over exercise um, my hdl though was i had to exercise to keep my hdl above 50. Mm-hmm. So by exercising, I could keep it around 54. So I knew there was some little thing going on genetically with myself. So, you know, um, is inflammation more of a risk factor than cholesterol? What do you think, Greg? I, I think it is. It's it's a complex, you know, subject really, you mm-hmm. know, too. But we know that inflammation will signal factors like your CRP and this prompts the LDL, you know, the, the bad cholesterol, basically, to oxidize, become oxidized, rusted almost, if you want to use that term, and then form plaque in the blood leading to atherosclerosis, so the plaque you know, the, of the blood system. It's the plaque along with and the vessel inflammation that you're, you're seeing uh, that interferes with circulation. That's what, you know, precipitates the heart attack or, or the stroke and so forth. So 
it isn't cholesterol because cholesterol only knows it needed hormone, you know, for I mean, needed uh, substance for hormone production, for the immune system function, uh, for many different aspects of the body. So it's not cholesterol that's the the culprit. It's when inflammation couples with cholesterol exactly and deposits in into the blood system that can lead to plaque and problems. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated topic. Yeah, it really it, is. It really is, and I think. That's another thing in our classes. We try to break it down so people could totally understand it when they go to their doctor. They know what they're dealing with. And even on an individual basis, that's what we try to explain in detail to people so that they really understand this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've spent hours and weeks and months and years studying this Mm -hmm. subject, haven't we, Greg? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's still hard to distill it down. It is. Exactly. It is. It is. But I... Dar, can I share my story? Yes. I hope we have time. So, you know, I think countless families have been touched by cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, stroke, heart failure, peripheral, I can't get that one out this morning, (laughs) artery disease or coronary artery disease. And I find that often people, you know, kind of give up hope and they don't believe changing their nutrition and lifestyle habits will make a difference. But I have a true story to share, and this is about my ex-father-in-law that hopefully will inspire some of you out there uh, to believe in the power of eating real food. So my father-in-law, my ex-father-in-law had severe heart disease, and he went in for a triple bypass surgery back in the early 80s. They actually lost him on the table before they were able to do any of the bypasses. But they revived him, closed him up, and basically told him they couldn't do anything more for him. He was in his early 60s at that time. He had to retire early. But yet he was really committed to living a full and, uh, you know, joyful life. And he wanted the best quality of life he could have. So both of us, we sat down and we did a lot of research and we worked together to change his nutrition habits and his lifestyle. And then he was really committed if he was ready, ready to work with the daughter-in-law. <laughs> yes, yes, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mother-in-law didn't quite understand all of that. But <laughs> anyway, he was, um, he was also a diabetic. He was a hemophiliac. Wow. Mm. He was a recovering alcoholic. Wow. And he had had polio as a child. So he needed a cane to walk. And he didn't really exercise at that time. He changed his diet completely. He eliminated trans fats, greatly reduced sugar. He ate every three hours. And he began walking with his cane every single day. After a few years of working together, his cardiologist was stunned at the new arteries his body produced, as he he had never seen that in any of his patients. In the end, it was not his heart disease that caused his death, sadly, but uh, he had acquired hep C and ended up with liver cancer. So, Greg, thank you. Can you put out how people could get in touch with you? And I don't know if it'll get on this show. Yeah, it's uh, just Greg, G-R-E-G, at... N-U-T-D-Y-N dot com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.